You know, I'm riding my bike and thinking about the stuff that I was reading this morning, every Sunday and even on the weekends and many weekdays, I, uh, I'll pick a topic of interest, whether it's occlusion training or oxygen deprivation training, vibration training, and it's usually spurred on by some question that somebody has, and I'll do a little research on it to see if, you know, if there's something there that I'm missing. And no matter what the topic is, no matter if it's a training methodology like CrossFit or Pilates or yoga or a training apparatus like vibration, suspension training, inverted training, uh, the mask, you know, with oxygen deprivation training or hypoxic training or hyper, uh, 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 what do you call it, Uh, hyperbaric chambers, all of this stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. After 40 years of being in the industry, I see the same thing. Something comes up, and it's a new flavor. Right now, occlusion training is pretty hot. And, uh, you know, pneumatic devices are going for, depending on whether you... It's a strap. Simple strap can go for 89 bucks. It's a simple strap, for crying out loud. It's a nylon strap. $89, because it comes with some recommendations of where to put it, how hard to attach it and whatnot and uh we just came from a vibration thing for 10 years where they even want to make vibration platforms so you can bounce balls and play basketball on it's like insane you know if a little bit is good a lot is better if it works for a special population we're going to apply it to all the population so uh i'm looking at occlusion training and i see the same thing as all the other modalities yeah you know It'll do this to this muscle, that to this enzyme, this to VO2, that to whatever it is. Then they, of course, give you the uh, contraindications, you know, which pertain to probably 20% of everybody in in a club. So right off the bat, you can't use it, whether you're hypertensive, even if you're controlled, where you've had circulation problems, you know, 50 million contraindications where beware, right? So... I'm not saying it's not effective for a muscle, you know, for a bicep curl. But here are my fundamental questions as it pertains to occlusion training. And I had the same questions of oxygen deprivation training. You know, when Vandalay Silva first started working out with uh, a diving mask and a snorkel, you know. And then, of course, it became the mask. So this is my question. My question is, performance, if you're looking at performance... Performance is a function of many things. And metabolite at the quadricep, bicep, the ability to train to exhaustion, and even hypertrophy is so, so, so limited in its application to performance. It's way down below 20, the top 20 list, right? Because performance has a lot to do with, if you look at it from a neuromuscular efficiency or basically coordinating not only muscles, but groups of muscles and systems of muscles. So right off the bat, this occlusion thing that is applied to one muscle has to, has to be reevaluated. So when you're training movements, occlusion training is limited because it doesn't apply to multiple systems and the coordinated, um, the coordinated sequence that is needed for performance to be enhanced. All right, now, when you look at isolated things, like 
hamstring function. That too is a function of mechanical specificity. So right now, the hottest thing because of a couple of pieces of research is the Nordic hamstring. And everybody and their mother's doing Nordic hamstrings. Number one, most of them are doing it wrong because the Nordic hamstring is equivalent to an iron cross for the shoulders. The Nordic hamstring is to the hamstring. It teaches the hamstring to do what it doesn't do, which is knee flexion, okay? And then the injuries occur when the knee is trying to extend the hip concentrically and eccentrically loading at the knee. So the hamstring, Nordic hamstrings are forget it. It's the wrong load, wrong movement, wrong everything. So, but of course you take any hamstring, you make it stronger and of course it's more resistant. The question is, is it optimal? So there you have that. The same thing with, uh, with occlusion training. Because it applies to a bicep doesn't mean it's going to apply to the arm of a throwing athlete, okay? It, because it increases VO2 because of some quadricep uh, protocol, all right, it doesn't mean, A, that it's going to increase VO2 in running, all right, uh, especially long distance, and let's even ask a deeper question. Is VO2 even necessary? That's like height in basketball. There's a certain height that is necessary above which more height is not even indicated or associated with success. So yeah, in order to play in the NBA, you gotta be have a minimum height, right? And of course it's position dependent, but a for let's say a forward, 6'10 and 6'11 doesn't tell you that the 6'11 guy is gonna have more success. VO2 is the same thing. If we were just handing out VO2 trophies, we would do VO2 trophies and never hold a Tour de France. Okay, never hold the New York Marathon. So we have to think about, okay, increases VO2. So what? So what? Is VO2 the cause and effect of, of winning? Or is it one of many, many underlying variables to which that, uh, that level of significance that we've traditionally given it is not even panning out to be that significant? So, so you have that. Okay, then they go into the enzymatic responses and they're looking at everything from growth hormone to creatine kinase and all of this stuff. Even arthritis they're looking at. And yeah, it may be equivalent to a higher intensity training, your standard 80% for six to eight protocol. But what's easier? That or occlusion training with the extra skills that you need to know how to apply the pressure, the right equipment, the right protocol, and then the, the research is not equivocal enough to suggest some recommendations, but it's not, you know, a plug and play by any stretch. And then you have the contraindications that you have to pay attention to. So a lot of variables when just eight reps of a good movement uh, will give you 80% of it. Why, why do you need a special thing to give you an extra 10% that not even, that's not even associated with success? Well, it may be associated, but it's not linked to cause and effect. All right? In terms of hypertrophy, really, how much hypertrophy do we need? Once an offensive guy reaches 350, a good 350, is it better than a 375? You know? 
or does athletic ability play a huge role? Would you be better off working on that athletic ability that's going to give you success in the sport, longevity, all right, or trying to train a couple of muscles to total fatigue with 20 or 30% of maximum load, which has to be obviously established. That's a whole different fiasco in itself because that changes. So what would you be better off? Trying to get your quadriceps and biceps to grow from a standpoint of hypertrophy with all of these variables? Or are you better off just doing some bench press, some squats, and then getting out there and learning your sport, learning the technique, the tactics, and so on and so forth? So those are the things that we have to look at. There has been at least 10 fads that I have seen in the last 15 years. Everything from the inversion boots to the inversion tables to suspension training to kettlebell training to Pilates to yoga to functional training to balance training. And everything has had some vibration training, uh, hypoxic training. Everything has had a plethora of scientific research to support limited applications. And time has shown that all of these modalities eventually occupy a very small space in the total toolbox because performance is so much more than these small modalities. So we have to look at look at staying with the basics, guys. You're not going to escape them. All of these tools and all these modalities, sure, they're interesting. Sure, it's the new fad. Sure, you'll get a couple of new clients willing to try them and paying you to try them. But it's only going to go so far. Okay? In terms of total exhaustion, this is one of the things that they, they claim occlusion training to provide is total exhaustion with 20 to 30% of your load. Okay, here's the fundamental question. Why do you have to go to total exhaustion? Isn't that where the danger zone is? And how much performance is actually picked up by total exhaustion? Is there more harm than good from a metabolic, from a neural, and from an immunological standpoint of going to total exhaustion for anything? So we have to rethink all of the things that are coming out does it make sense? Do we see it? All right? Or are we just buying another fat? All right? So those are some of the thoughts of today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed them. And stay tuned to IHP, man, because we're asking all of those questions and more.